Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea, named Law Firm of the Year at the Legal Business Awards and the Lawyer Awards 2017. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I can render. Tell the one who loves you only, I can be so warm and tender. Call me, don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. That was Nancy Wilson with Call Me, lovely way to start the programme. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss here on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And we bring just for you, right alongside them, someone who's shaping the world of business, and we call them business shapers. I'm really pleased to say that we've got the CEO and co-founder of Eve Sleep. That's the wonderful mattresses that you get delivered to your house right here in front of me. Yash Bagnieski. I hope I said that properly. He will correct me in a moment if I haven't. Nailed it. Nailed it. Fantastic in one. Yash is with me, and he's going to talk all about the trials and tribulations of creating a business from scratch and then floating uh, on the AIM AIM market very recently. Lots coming up from him. In addition to hearing from Yash, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And then we've got the music, and it's brilliant today. It includes Otis Redding, Sarah McKenzie, and this from William Bell and Judy Clay. That was William Bell and Judy Clay with Private Number, and a classic it is too. Yash Bagnieski is my business shaper today, CEO and co-founder of Eve Sleep. They make the mattresses, which, if you don't like, you can send them back, I think, after 100 days. Is that right? Yeah, we give people 100 nights to try them out at home, you know, in, in your own comfort. And then if, if for any reason you don't like the product, we just come and pick it up, take it from your home and give you a full refund. That's a ridiculous idea, Yash. I mean, uh, thank you very much for joining me, I should say. Tell me why you thought you would take on the world of mattresses. Pretty established market, mm-hmm. about £4 billion worth, I believe, something like that. It's a huge, huge market. There haven't been many newcomers in this world, and there certainly been, haven't been many people saying you can get your money back if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. So tell me about how you have come to it and why you. Well, it started um, about six years ago, back in 2011. We, I had worked at a company called Groupon. I started one of the founders of a company called City Deal, which we sold to Groupon, became Groupon International. And uh, one of my jobs there was running the uh, products platform where we were selling products online. And we were looking for high margin products that sort of fit the Groupon discount model. And after the sale of City Deal to Groupon, I left and I wanted to start my own business. And with some friends of mine, we sort of looked at the product category at Groupon and thought what products might fit that. And we thought about products that first you could source locally and secondly that had high enough margins that would fit the discount model and we sort of stumbled across the idea of mattresses really and in 2011 we put a deal on Groupon we didn't have any mattresses at the time we didn't really have enough money to buy them either but we thought we'd sell a couple of hundred maybe and sort of start bootstrapping our own business and it became the biggest Groupon deal of all time. We sold 6,000 on our first day, turning over $2 million, and then rolled it out to 18 countries in about three months and turned over about 30 million bucks in the first three or four months of trading. So it 
just sort of exploded really and from there we had a, a mattress business which we predated Eve um, we ran that from 2011 2014 and then in the end of 2014 we decided to sort of focus much more on the brand and much less on pricing and discounting and the sort of commodity aspects of mattresses and build a, a sort of more premium uh, and aspirational brand an incredibly precise way of going about it. I mean, some people are passionate about football, some people are passionate about clothes or fashion or their perfumers or whatever. It sounds like you were analytical. Well, we were just, I'd say, very opportunistic, really. We, um, we kind of always went into it quite agnostic in what we would do. We just felt, you know, if it makes money, it makes sense. And the, the thing with mattresses is they just... It just exploded for us, really. Um, so it was, it was, I would say, more opportunistic than it was greatly strategic. We just saw the product work, then we figured out how to scale it, and then we just pushed it as hard as we could. Find out more from uh, Yash Bagnissi, my business shaper, about um, how he's making it sound really easy, building a business and then uh, getting investment and floating it, which is all, all has happened in the short period of time. Time for some more music right now. This is Otis Redding and Hard to Handle. But you got to go home with me I forgot some good old love And then I got some in store When I get through throwing it on that was hard to handle from the one and only Otis Redding. Yash Bagneski is my business shaper, um, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Eve Mattresses. And you were talking earlier in, in such simple terms. I love it when people do this. They, re- they reduce the complex to, to something awfully straightforward. And you just said, well, we found a category that would be high margin, uh, that would be easily locally sourced, and, and so on, and we made it work. Your background, you're you're a well-educated fellow. You went to university. You've done a you've done an MBA at Cambridge and all that. Do you think your education played a part in you being able to analyse something, as you called it, so agnostically as to to look? And you called you we talked about opportunism as well. You talked about that, but is that a, a function of the consultant mindset? Because I believe you were a consultant at one point as well. I was, but actually, I think. Um in terms of sort of business my education actually came when I started working after I left Accenture I went to work for three German brothers called uh, the Samuel brothers who they have an incubator called Rocket Internet 25% of the billion pound companies in Europe are started by these three brothers they did companies like Zalando HelloFresh amazing guys when I went to them they employed about 40 people and they were just they had at the time built a few businesses in Germany and they were starting to internationalize their sort of portfolio and I came on as a founder CEO of a um, a Polish price comparison site with them and then later they did I ran Zalando in the UK for them which is now the largest e-commerce company ever to come out of Europe and uh, I also did a business for them called City Deal which we sold to Groupon Um, so I think really working for those guys and and because when I went there Rocket was a very small business they had like 40 people I think now it employs something like 50,000 but it's so I worked directly for the three brothers and I just got amazing exposure to them and how they thought about building businesses and scaling them and Mm. really everything that I apply now came from the sort of interaction with those guys I think you know Westminster Cambridge all that stuff gives you a good all round education but there's nothing really sort of tangible that I would take from that that I would apply to, to what I do now. Did, did your friends and people think it was a risk to go off and do that? Because it sounds like to me that's a, 
um, uh, an unusual, unconventional route through, but indeed the very platform that an entrepreneur like you needed, I guess. is that Was that fair at the time? People go, what are you doing, Yash? Yeah, a lot of people did. I mean, Accenture has a sort of great brand. It's a sort of place that you go after uni and it's considered a really sort of top job, you know, and so my parents are quite traditional. They're Polish. And so for them, that was something they were incredibly proud of that I was working at Accenture. And when I told them I was leaving to sort of join these, this sort of little ragtag bunch in Berlin, uh, they were really worried. They thought I was crazy. But in fairness, the Samuels had already done some pretty amazing businesses. They'd done, uh, they had run eBay in Europe after selling an eBay competitor to them. And they ran a company called, they built a company called Jamster, which they'd sold for 300 million. They used to do the crazy frog ringtones that you might remember. I remember. Um, so we, we won't be playing that. Okay, fair or, enough. Or, or any hip hop today. Okay. And, I'm, uh, and I know that would be sad for you. Cause, well, uh, I'm still hoping we squeeze in uh, <laughs> Juicy by Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> but, um, but um, so yeah, so, so you know, so, so I guess it was a risk in other people's eyes. But for me, I just sort of met them. I knew their sort of profile. I knew what they had done. And I was also quite young. I think I was maybe like 28 or something at the time. It just felt like if it didn't work out... Um, I had to go back to, you know, maybe lose a couple of years, but just go back to being a consultant or something. I, was, I had always kind of wanted to do my own business, and it just felt to me that regardless, this would be a way to sort of learn how to do that. Stay with me for more and um, find out how Yash uh, indeed has gone and founded his own business and, and is doing really well. Uh, ladies, travel in a couple of minutes, and before that, some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondorev for your business. I'm Sonal Gandhi. I'm a partner in the real estate group at Mishkondorea. I act for the private individual and their companies in buying and selling high-end residential properties in central London, as well as acting for private banks in their secured lending work um, on residential properties. The most important thing to know about working on complicated transactions is to effectively appoint a pivotal person that's going to act as the project manager of that transaction. Invariably, there's going to be a number of parties involved. It goes without saying that with so many people involved in a transaction, things can start going astray. So it's essential to have a go-to person. It's very much like that person is the conductor of an orchestra. All of the players are musicians in that orchestra. They each have a piece of music to read. Without that conductor, they're not going to play in tune, in harmony, to get the end result. Therefore, my advice is to have that person who can control, who can communicate and ensure that all parties are cooperating together. Too many cooks, disaster. They all start going off on their own agenda without having that person to essentially manage the process and effectively deliver that goal for that client. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday, I'm very lucky I get to meet someone who's shaping the world of business. If you've missed any of the 250-plus editions of this programme, go into iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers, you'll find some there. If you're travelling with British Airways in the future, that's another destination for you, as is cityam.com. There's a few programmes available over there as well. Yash Bagneski is my business shaper today. He's the CEO and co-founder of Eve Sleep. Uh, They're a business now turning over, I think, at the last count, uh, first six months at least, just over 11 million pounds of revenue but more importantly than that a market value market capital and capital value right now of around 130 million pounds because they're on the aim market not bad eh from a standing start a few years ago yes we've been talking about your background a little bit because uh, i'm sure people listening will go how did that happen 
So there's a guy who's at Accenture, then he ends up in Berlin. He's working with these brothers who've invested loads of money. Just give me a quick insight into how you landed there, how this well-educated, kind of relatively conventional beginning became something far more interesting. I was incredibly lucky because uh, a very good friend of mine, my best friend actually, was um, he was doing an MBA at Stanford in, in the US. And he, he went to a talk by Alex Samuel, who was the youngest of the three brothers. And uh, Alex Samuel told them that at the time, Rocket had, primarily focused on incubating German startups and they were looking to internationalize and going into what he called emerging markets such as Turkey and Poland he referenced specifically and my friend said to him I've got this really good friend of mine who's a Polish guy speaks English lives in the UK but Polish originally and uh, and works at Accenture would you be interested to meet him and they he made the intro. I went, flew over to Berlin to, to meet Alex and then the other guys at Rocket. And within about an hour, they offered me the, the job of founding and running a business for them. So they invested about half a million euros. So I think first 300,000, they then topped up with another 200,000. They did all of our IT. And they said to me, you know, just go, it was a price comparison engine. They said, go out to Poland and sign all the the biggest car insurance companies and get them on the platform and we did it you know we sort of went out started going door to door turning up insurance companies knocking on doors going to brokers through network and eventually we signed all of them put them on this price comparison engine and sort of how I started my sort of career in the internet what what do you think they saw in you at that point what was it that they bought it was 2008 and uh, what I found later, what someone told me at Rocket was they said that we're about to enter into like one of the worst global recessions ever. So somebody who's willing to walk away from, from a career in consultancy and do, do a startup now is either crazy or really tenacious. And to be honest, I, I just didn't even know that the recession was happening. So I just <laughs> walking that quiet, you've just blown it. Yeah. They, thought you were, they thought you were a crazy genius. Yeah, I just thought kind of why not? It sounded fun. You know, it'd be a chance to travel around a bit and do this. I, I'd always wanted to start my own business. And I just, to be honest, I thought if I didn't do it, I'd regret it afterwards because mm. I just didn't think that an opportunity like that would come along again, you know? Now, without that schooling, do you think that Eve would be where it is now? Well, I mean, I don't think it would exist, you know, if it wasn't for those guys because everything really that sort of began Eve snowballed from there. When You know, the, the, the my involvement with Groupon, the first mattress business we did, we spun out of Groupon, all of the kind of learnings we have. I think I'd probably still be... Either I'd be working at Accenture or to have like, you know, having my own business would be like a shop or something, you know, mm. it just I don't or a bar. I don't think I would have ever thought in the sort of terms and that those guys sort of instilled in me. And in terms of finding the next yashes in the business, do you look for people like you or is it intentionally, you know, I just need a serious finance person. That's a different gig. Or is there something about the, the, that spirit that you had in 2008 that you still want to find? There are some roles which are require a certain level of technical expertise. So if you look at developers, maybe some guys, uh, designers, some of the marketing guys, you know, they, they need a specific skill set, the finance guys. But primarily we look for young, smart um, guys who sort of think outside the box and who, who sort of have the courage to take on challenges. We've got a young guy who started with us. I think he was 22 when he started. He's 24 now. He came on as a, initially as a German customer service agent on an internship. And now he runs all international at EVE. His, he's overseeing 12 countries, you know, all of the all of our European rollouts. And so we very much like to have a culture, so a very meritocratic culture. If somebody's good enough, we give them the responsibility and we see how they deal with it. So absolutely, we look for, for exactly that profile. Stay with me for more from Yash Bagnieski, my business shaper today. Time for some more music right now. This is the delicate sound of Sarah McKenzie with One Jealous Moon. <laughs> 
one jealous move from Sarah McKenzie. I've been talking to Yash Bragnieski. He's the CEO and co-founder of Eve Sleep. They're on the AIM market. And as you heard earlier, Yash just, well, left in 2008, took a risk. And here we are almost 10 years later and reaping the rewards. Along the way, you've had some significant investments from from some significant players. I think one's called DN Capital, Octopus uh, Ventures, uh, and of course Woodford. And Neil Woodford has, has been on this program uh, in the in the past. What were they buying? I know now what they were buying of you. The German brothers were buying you back in two thousand eight. Different when people are putting in money at the levels they're putting in, and we're talking millions of pounds. What are they now seeing in Yash and his team? I think it's sort of. Um it's sort of each successive investor it's a little bit different at the beginning really all they were investing in was a team so dn and, and octopus came in before we even had a website we had just thought of the brand name eve um so they were very much buying into us you know i was introduced to dn capital by mark samwis so the oldest of those three brothers a few years before and he said you know uh when we were looking for investment something else and he said you know you should back this guy he's really good um we'll invest we'll co-invest if you guys do we ended up not doing that business but um when I went back to them with, with Eve, they said yes pretty quickly because they had known us for a number of years. Uh, we'd come with a sort of references from the Samwers. We had built some big business before, and we had had a background selling mattresses online. And there was this sort of emergence of direct-to-consumer mattress businesses starting to happen in the US, a number of. So the model, in some sense, was proven. Um, so all of that, I think, for them made it relatively, they got comfortable with it. And, you know, at the beginning, the investments were smaller. They put in about half a million quid between them. And then and then after that, they start backing the execution more. You know, we massively over-delivered on what we had forecast. Um, so the, the Series A round, we did much quicker. They put in two and a half million between Octopus and DN. And then the Series B, also, we were growing so fast, that it was relatively painless. And at that point... DN Capital introduced us to a guy called Paul Pinder, who was the uh, the chair or who is the chairman of Purple Bricks, which is a now an AIM listed great success story business. But they had invested with Paul in Purple Bricks quite early, DN Capital and Paul. And I guess they said to Paul, Paul said, you know, what else have you got? Or they said, you should look at this this business, Eve. It's also quite interesting. And between about February 2016 and the summer, Paul sort of did his due diligence on us. We met him a few times. He introduced us to a few people. Uh, and then he decided to invest in the summer. And one of the conditions was he felt we didn't we didn't have enough funding for the plans that we were trying to do. You know, grow go international, roll out across Europe, roll out new products, build a brand. So so he sort of introduced us to Neil Woodford, and and then Woodford I think invested in us primarily because. Paul said it's a good idea and Paul put his own money in as well but also he's you know he met us as a team he liked us as a team and he we had real traction by then we were growing very fast so at that point people were investing as much as in us in the in the metrics of the business as well you enjoy yourself by the looks of it I mean your style is what is it is it as it seems now you're pretty relaxed you've got obviously a good intellectual hold on the business you understand how to talk to investors or is there is there a other side to you that are that you haven't revealed yet because it seems like you take it all in your stride considering there's so much happening I'm relatively relaxed I mean I think we've been we've been quite lucky in that the business has grown very well you know we've hired amazing people uh, we've got amazing investors so in some sense i'm relaxed because it's going well you know obviously when we have periods where it doesn't go well i get much more stressed um but i really trust the people around me both the the highs and investors and the advisors we have so um so that i take a lot of comfort in that i think just being able to lean on a lot of really really good people 
Stay with me for my final chat with Yash. Um, plus, we'll be playing a track from Herbie Hancock. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. Named Law Firm of the Year at the Legal Business Awards and the Lawyer Awards 2017. And that was Herbie Hancock with Cantaloupe Island. I'm with Yash Bagneski just for a few more minutes and we've been talking about your journey um, and how it's evolved from the risk-taking guy age, whatever you were, eight years ago, or you work out 28, something like that, um, into this place now where you took a company public. Um, just tell me that that feeling as you're standing there's a picture I've seen where there's the whole team standing I think on one of I'm not quite sure what it is one of the levels of the the London Stock Exchange and your name your business is now appearing right there what did that feel like at that moment it was an amazing uh, moment really we they opened the stock exchange for us at 8am and so we had I think about 80 guests and primarily that was friends and family plus you know a few of the core team members and we showed up. The whole stock exchange had been Eve branded. Uh, all our buddies were there, you know. And we, we, I thought it was a bell. It's not actually a bell, but we pressed the button that launched the stock exchange for the day at 9 a.m. Then we gave speeches there. And when we pressed the button, which launches the stock exchange, but also launches Eve onto the stock exchange, there was like a countdown where they were the 10 to 1. And, I mean, the whole place was shaking as everyone sort of counted down. They said we were the most rowdy bunch they'd ever had. <laughs> which was obviously music to our ears and it was just incredible really it just it felt such a such a sort of validation and culmination of all the hard work that everyone had put in for well it's only been two years i guess so me and my co we launched eve two years ago for me and my co-founders had been working on mattresses for six or seven years already and sort of you know thinking back to even before that had a few businesses that failed and kind of struggling doing stuff so it just felt like very just very joyous thing you know there and seeing all those guys there who had built it together and now, obviously, there's a bit of... I imagine you come down off of that and you go, OK, well, we've got to do the small things tomorrow just like we did yesterday. We carry on. What are the plans in terms of shaping the business that you're in and the category you're in? Because you are disruptors. You look at the branding. You look at the, the language around the brand. You look at the promise. I mean, the fact that you can give back stuff after 100 days is ridiculous, as I said right at the beginning. But it works for you. So where do you now go? What are the next three to five years hold? Well, I think the, the core thing really is becoming the leading European mattress brand. Today, Eve is the second most searched mattress brand in the UK after IKEA, which is pretty amazing, you know, more than Tempers and Silent Nights and all these dreams, you know, all these guys everyone's heard of, are one of the most recognized brands and mattress brands in the UK. Um, and that's on the back of just having a fantastic product, you know, incredibly comfortable and allowing people who were so confident in that we allowed them 100 nights to try it out and spent years developing it. But then from there, really, the, the other parts are internationalizing. So we're in 15 countries now rolling out new products. So we have a bed launching soon. We've launched pillows, sheets, duvets, you know, uh, really in trying to own the category of sleep. 
um, which I think no, there's no there's no go to place for sleep, you know. So I think that's a really interesting challenge. And then the other part, um, uh, a guy called Jonathan uh, Zatlin that our, our company is leading is the uh, the the push out uh, into retail stores. So we're partnering up with stores such as Fenix, Debenhams, uh, Next, you know, other uh, retail partners in Europe, and rolling out the product actually into physical locations beyond what we've been doing online direct to consumer. So nothing ambitious at all, internationalisation and taking over the retail market. Fabulous stuff. Listen, Yash, I wish you all the best because you, you sound like you're, you know what you're up to and you, you don't look too stressed. Thank you. Which is, which is the best part. You look like you might be enjoying it. Um, just before I let you go, what's your song choice? Unfortunately, it's not. I know it can't be hip-hop. We apologise. Um, but this is uh, the jazz, soul and blues home. Uh, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Please, could we have Smokestack Lightning by uh, Howlin' Wolf? Say please again. I, can't. I just love it. He's begging now. <laughs> and uh, the reason I chose it, I don't know, I just think it's a great song, really. I love a film called Cadillac Records. I don't know if you've seen it. There's this amazing uh, sequence where Howlin' Wolf sings it to Muddy Waters, his wife. And I always just thought he was a pretty cool guy. Here it is just for you. Thanks a lot. Cheers, mate. That was Howlin' Wolf with Smokestack Lightning, the song choice of my business shaper today, Yash Bagnieski. Someone who took a chance at a young age, and that's absolutely critical if you're going to be an entrepreneur. Someone who, when choosing the business that he wanted to go into, was agnostic. If it makes money, it makes sense, he said. And someone whose relaxed manner, I think, belies the fact that underneath all of this is super hard work and lots of focus about what he and his business want to achieve. Really good stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place, 9am sharp, for another edition of Jazz Shapers right here on Jazz FM. Meanwhile, stay with us, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Condorea. It's business, but it's personal.